0: So there are some days during the church year uh, when I, in a particular way, feel a little extra pressure as a preacher to hit a home run, and this is one of those days, because to me, this is, so this is one of my favorite days of the entire year, Pentecost, if, if not my favorite, it's, it's for sure one of my favorites, and and so I just, like, I, I get really excited about it. You know, I, I and not even just with, it, with the readings that we have. Of course, with the readings that we have, you know, hearing about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and, and reading about what St. Paul says, that the Spirit is given to everyone uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and Jesus, breathing on them, received the Holy Spirit, right? And the, the sequence that we, you know, this, like, there, there's these things. But then, like, it's like, it's like the entire New Testament is saturated. It's saturated with signs of the Holy Spirit and just showing how important it is for us to have the Holy Spirit like active and alive in our hearts. And so, so this day, when I, when I think about preaching and I think about just celebrating the day and it just like, it gets me all like fired up, right? Fittingly, the fire falling, right? So it's just this, but then there's, there's tension in this with me because because. What happens is, is then, um, okay, so when I say this, just before I get to what happens, uh, I'm not picking on anyone in particular, right? So if it sounds like I'm attacking you, I'm not, okay? But what happens is when I get excited about this day and I, 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 I recall the scriptures, I think about them, I think about the, the action of the Holy Spirit, all these things, I look out at the Christian community, the Catholic Christian community, but also like, the Christian community at large, and I see a people that has grown cold. And so, for me, there's this like, how do I, how do I communicate? Like this is this is part of why I I, I really just like I want to knock it out of the park, right? Because it's like I, I I recognize in my heart a fire that the Lord has put. And, and I want to find a way to like transfer that to, to you. Now remember, I'm not, I'm not picking on any particular people, right, but, but this is a reality. I, I, I look out and I see a people who knows hardly anything about the Bible. Like I try to have a conversation with people about the Bible and they're just like lost. I, I, I know, I see a people who knows hardly anything real about Jesus. Lots of people have ideas about Jesus, but if you ask them, like, where'd you learn that? Oh, you know, I just really feel like that's how it is, right? Like, no one actually knows any, like, so this, so this is what the difficulty is. Remember, I'm not, so I have to say this probably a bunch of times, I'm not picking on anyone in particular. So if it feels like I'm picking on you, it's not the case. So, so like, this, is, this is the difficulty and this is the tension. We are a people at large who has grown cold. The Holy Spirit brings fire, and we have grown cold. And what happens to a people that grows cold, to an individual or to a group of people, what happens is we start to turn in on ourselves. We start to sort of circle the wagons. And what happens then, communities stop growing. Look around the church. What do you notice on top of a lot of people's heads? Gray hair. <laughs> or white hair. Or no hair at all. <laughs> I was thinking, it's like, imagine then if we could also see beneath all of the hair dye that's out there. right? I know this, my mother, right, she got dyes her doesn't like the gray, whatever. So anyway, so it's just like, this, like, this, and, and, and I'm not picking on, like, I don't, it's not that I think we have too much gray hair. It's that I think our ratio is way off. In fact, we could use some more gray hair, but we could also use some more youth. But what happens to a community that grows cold is it turns in on itself. And it loses its outward focus. You know, when I, I so I've been in Richfield now for about a year, and... Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking, murmuring, about how, how there's this secret plan to close one or two of the parishes. Everything we do, oh, this is just Father's way of preparing to close this parish. Or it's just Father's way of preparing to close that parish. Or, you know, they're gonna bring us all into one and, you know, just close everything. When in fact, the reality is, anyone who's actually talked to Father Lickus or myself or the parish staff, is that we're all very open to keeping all of the parishes open. But that can't happen, brothers and sisters. That can't happen if we're not growing as a community. How, how could it be possible? Because a community that turns in on itself, that, that circles the wagons, that is no longer outward focused, what happens actually is that the gray hair does eventually go away. And what's replaced is empty pews. You can't, church, you can't keep churches open with empty pews. So there is actually a way for all three parishes in Richfield, even to go back to having their own priest. Get out there. Bring people in. You see, this, like, this is... This is this is the importance of, of, of the Holy Spirit, right? So we gotta we got talk about like, what, is, what does the Holy Spirit do for us, right? So it's like, okay, okay, right? Father scolded us this morning for not getting out there. Okay, great, but he didn't tell us, no, I wanna tell you how to do this, right? I wanna like, help us because this is for me too. I have a tendency myself to turn in on myself, and so I need to be spurred on as well. So we've got to talk about, like, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? And I think the first answer we can find is in our sequence that we we sang. So there's one of the stanzas that we sang was this praying to the Holy Spirit, bend the stubborn heart and will. Who do you know? Who do you know that can change someone else's stubborn heart? I don't know anyone. And I know that I myself am plagued sometimes by a stubborn heart. I sometimes like to call it being strong-willed because that sounds better, right? But, but I know that I'm plagued by a stubborn heart. And when I get into a stubborn mood, no matter what, if someone comes to me with a better idea or a correction, there is nothing that's going to change my heart. Except that the Holy Spirit can do that. When we hear about the Holy Spirit being power from on high, as Jesus says, right? This is the power, is that the Holy Spirit can do things to people and within people that no one else can. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to bend the stubborn heart and will, to to actually like do something within us and within other people that is resisting him to do something so that we no longer resist. Melt the frozen, warm the chill, right? There are times In your life, when you come to Mass and you hear a homily, just like there are times in my life when I maybe read a spiritual book or if I'm sitting uh, and, and having to listen to a homily, whatever it is, there are times when our hearts are so cold that they're like a block of ice so that no matter how red in the face the preacher gets, it just bounces right off because it's just solid ice. And nothing can change that except... The Holy Spirit can change that. Think about someone you've tried to share the gospel with, and they've just denied it. Pray to the Holy Spirit to melt their frozen heart. If you yourself are finding yourself right now growing tense and resistant and starting to want to complain, ask the Holy Spirit to melt your frozen heart. Guide the steps that go astray. How many of us, probably everyone in this church, has at least one family member that has gone astray from the Lord and from his church? Many of you have multiple children that have gone astray, and no matter how much you try to talk them into coming back, no matter how much you remember that they were raised in a Christian household, right, no matter how much, right, and it's just like, oh, no matter how much you pray for them, they're not coming back, and it's like, what is, like, Ask the Holy Spirit, right? So we can see this, like how much we need, brothers and sisters, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to be active because there are things that we can't accomplish, but that the Holy Spirit, who is God, can accomplish. And so to come before the Holy Spirit, especially on days like today, but but on every day, right? It's not like the Holy Spirit only comes out once a year. Every day to ask the Holy Spirit, come into my life. Come into the lives of the people around me. Like, like, come, like the same Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. The same Holy Spirit that was poured out in our first reading. Poured out at Pentecost the first time. Where these, these men... They were following Jesus' instructions to wait. But, but even then, when Jesus appears, right, they're afraid. They're not sure what, what's going to happen next. And so, like, what happens? They're just waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And then the Holy Spirit comes and everything changes. The Holy Spirit comes and moves them to do miraculous things. Sure, we saw in our reading how they started to speak in different languages and they could all understand each other. That in itself is miraculous enough, right? I've, I've spent this year trying to learn Spanish and, like, it hasn't worked. Right, So it's, it's amazing enough that this kind of thing could happen instantaneously. But then immediately after this, I think something additionally or, or maybe even more miraculous takes place. Some people begin to mock them and make fun of them, accusing them of being drunk. And Peter, of all people, he gets up and he says, no, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but then what happens? He starts to preach And he preaches about what God has done in the person of Jesus. And he says things that today we would say are rather offensive. Because what he does is he reminds them, by the way, this Jesus who you crucified, this Jesus who you handed over into the hands of lawless men. And he finishes his sermon by saying, therefore let the whole house of Israel know That God has made both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And the miraculous thing that takes place is right after this. The, The people who receive this sermon from Peter, they don't get offended. They don't put up a fight and resist and start to argue back. But instead, they say, it says that they were cut to the heart and they say, what do we do? And it says in the Acts of the Apostles that 3,000 souls were baptized that day. Can you see how much we need the Holy Spirit? And when we receive the Holy Spirit, what happens? We learn, we, we, we realize that life no longer becomes about me. Me. This is something that plagues us in the 21st century in America, is that our lives have been, and this is, this is across generations, so we can't, we can't think that this is limited to the millennials or to the, those younger, we, we can't think that. It's, it's across generations that, that when we come to church, it's all about me. So that if I come to church and I, I feel like I'm not getting anything out of it, well, I just stop going or I find somewhere else to go. Or if I come to church and, you know, Father, your homily was, it was too long today. Or you you weren't funny enough during your homily. The music wasn't very good today. That doesn't happen here, okay. (laughs) Right, but like, we start to immediately evaluate things based on our own standards. And so it's all about me. And if I don't get what I want from my church, then what happens? I start to complain and bicker and eventually I just threaten to leave or I leave altogether. When in fact, if we look at the earliest Christians, those in the Acts of the Apostles, the saints throughout history, we see how clear it is that when I receive the Holy Spirit, right? So it begins with this, that I do need to receive from God. Absolutely, we know this. The end of the Gospel of Luke, the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, Jesus tells them to go and wait and you will receive power from on high. But then, when I receive power from on high, what happens? My life no longer becomes about me, but instead it becomes about me on mission with Jesus. We heard this in our gospel. Jesus appears to them. He breathes. He says, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. Jesus sends them on mission. He invites them into his life-saving mission. So maybe this is a question we can ask ourselves. When you think about your life, do you think I'm on mission with Jesus to save souls? Now, I don't, I don't know you personally, right? So remember, I'm not attacking any individual people. But I think, based on what I've seen, I think very few Christians have this thought. Very few Christians have the thought that says, Jesus has invited me to this, so I gotta, I gotta go find people and get them here. I gotta, like I got to figure out how to do this and how like how, how do I do this I don't, I don't really know but I got to figure like I've received the Holy Spirit when I was baptized. I've received the Holy Spirit when I was confirmed. I've received the Holy Spirit every time I go to confession. Every time I receive the body and blood of Jesus, I know that the Holy Spirit accompanies him. And so, like, I have been given this incredible gift from God, the Holy Spirit active in my life. And maybe, maybe up to this point, he's been dormant. Maybe up to this point, my, my frozen heart has kept him out. But now, right, maybe I can feel the Holy Spirit melting something within me and now now I gotta, I gotta go, and not go and stay, but I gotta go and bring people back with me. Right, like this, like, this, this, is, this is it. Like, to join brothers and sisters, we gotta join the mission somehow, somehow. I've been thinking about this, and like, I sit, I sit down to pray a lot of mornings, and I'm just like, Lord, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just feel like sometimes I'm making it up as I go, and sometimes, sometimes maybe you give me some inspirations, and that's awesome, but, but mostly I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know, I know, Jesus, that you're real, and that you have impacted my life, and, and I know that I gotta do something. I gotta do something. I was thinking of a couple examples. A couple examples. So first one, a guy named Desmond Doss. So if you've ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, came out in 2016. It's really violent and gory, so if you're not into that, don't, don't see it but you can be inspired by his story nonetheless. So Desmond Doss uh, was a young adult at the time of World War II. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, a very fervent Christian, and he was a conscientious objector to fighting in the war with weapons, but he still wanted to enlist in the war to help people. So he refused to carry a gun, but he was a medic, and so he, he said, I want to save lives, not take them. Nonetheless, his, his comrades in arms mocked him, persecuted him, beat him, tried to get him to, to abandon, but he wouldn't. He stayed with it. His, his battalion or his, his troop ended up going up to Hacksaw Ridge, the, the Battle of Okinawa in 1945 in Japan. They were going up there. It started out really well, it seemed, that they were, they were going well. Then suddenly there was a Japanese ambush that caused the Americans to lose a, a lot of people, to cause his troops to lose a lot of people. They retreated. Many of his, his brethren were, were jumping off the ridge just trying to do anything they could to save their lives. There's a scene where, where uh, Desmond Doss is on the edge of Hacksaw Ridge, and he's praying. and He's just like, Lord, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? Right? Because he's convicted that God wants him to save people, but he just doesn't know how to. What do I do, Lord? And as he's praying, you hear in the background one of his brother soldiers crying out from the rubble, Medic! Medic! And he looks up from his prayer and he says, Okay, Lord. And he goes into the carnage, risking his life so that he could go and find somebody to save. And he goes and he finds someone and he brings him back and he lowers him down on a rope. And then he prays, Lord, help me get one more. And he goes and he finds another person, risking his life every time, nearly being killed a number of times, bringing people back and lowering them down. He says, Lord, help me get one more. He does this all night long, saves 75 men from death. Until finally the night is over, he has to go down, down the ridge, and when he gets down there, uh, his brother soldiers see what he did, and they just like, they're so reverent toward him, in awe of what this man, who they called a coward, what he so courageously and bravely did. This, brothers and sisters, is a really good image of what our lives as Christians, as Catholic Christians, is meant to be, where we pray, and we just say, Holy Spirit, Help me get one more soul. Help me bring one more soul to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Holy Spirit, help me, help me save someone. I don't, I don't know exactly how to do it, but, but inspire me, show me, teach me how I can fast, how I can pray, how I can sacrifice, how I can reach out, how I can make connections. Teach me how I can teach. Teach me how I can lead, how I can preach, how I can do anything. Find creative ways to reach people so that I can just, so just save one more person and bring one more person into eternity forever with you, Holy Spirit. Help me to do that. That's supposed to be our mentality. Another example, Blessed Carlo Acutis. He died in 2006. At the age of 15, he had leukemia. The age of 15, this kid, so he grew up in a family that did not go to Mass. He heard about Jesus somehow, uh, and when he was seven years old, he requested to receive First Communion. His mom says that when he received his First Communion, she herself had been to Mass three times in her life for her first communion, for her confirmation, and for her wedding. Blessed Carlo Acutis, captured by the Holy Spirit, somehow saw what took place at the altar, the bread and the wine changing into the body and blood of Jesus. And he just, like, convicted by the Holy Spirit. He said, i got to receive that. And from the time that he received his first communion until the time that he went into the hospital before his death, he never missed Mass again. Not on Sunday, not just on Sundays, he went to Mass, of course on Sundays, but every day for the rest of his life, he, came, he would drag his mom and his dad to Mass, like, Mom, Dad, you don't understand what God is doing here at this altar, right? This is what happens when a person is convicted by the Holy Spirit. He received an allowance from his parents, and what did he do with his allowance? He said, I want to place all of my resources at the service of the mission of the gospel. So he would go and he would buy sleeping bags and food for homeless people and give it to them on the streets so that when his family had his funeral, there were so many homeless people that showed up that they had no idea like where they came from. When people in his school had parents who were going through a divorce and when people were being bullied at school, he would go out of his way to invite those people into his life so that they could find in him a source of comfort and security. He had a sweet tooth. He loved sweets. And he would regularly set those aside, deny himself sweets, and offer that as a sacrifice for sinners and unbelievers. And he would do the same with video games. He was a millennial after all. Right? Like, this is what happens when a person is convicted by the Holy Spirit and lets the Holy Spirit be alive and active within them. Brothers and sisters, this is is what our lives are meant to be, where we simply just ask the question, like, This is what I have. I want to place it at the service of the mission of Jesus. And so Jesus, so Holy Spirit, so Father, send down your power and inspire me and show me how I can participate in the mission. So maybe we can ask this last question. Is it possible, is it possible, brothers and sisters, that this same Holy Spirit can do something amazing in your life? Is it possible that this same Holy Spirit wants to work through you to reach somebody else? Is it possible, maybe, that if you're being inspired right now, that that inspiration actually comes from God and that it can actually move you to take a risk in faith, maybe to do something that you've never done before, for the sake of the mission, this is something that we got to pray for. we got to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Come and flood us with his love, to, to bend our hearts and our wills, to melt the ice that we have built up around them, and to guide us, to lead those who are astray back. Back to Jesus, who has been made Lord and Christ.